0: This episode is kind of unprecedented, right? So my soul sister, Karen Martell, and I decided to get together and do a collaborative joint podcast. So you will find this here on the Thyroid Fixer podcast. You'll find it on Karen's podcast, the other side of weight loss. So you'll hear it in two different places. But we are talking all about putting our heads together And we are talking all about the causes of hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and we dive deep. I mean, we probably could have made this a two hour episode, honestly, but we we cut ourselves off at I think an hour and 15. So it won't take up too much of your time, but it's just good. This is one of those that just use it on a long car ride or when you're getting ready for work or something like that, just put it on and listen. We dive into all different topics. So this is my true soul sister, Karen Martell, and I talking about the thyroid. Are you sick of hearing me talk about young goose yet? Well, that's too bad because I love them and I have been using them now for years, probably about two or three years. And I can honestly say that my skin looks great. So I go to my plastic surgeon's office to get a little bit of Botox, right? And he says what are you doing for your skin? Because your skin looks great and I'm 50. It's going to be young goose. You know, I've never had the ability to do those ablative lasers that are supposed to refresh and renew your skin. I just can't do it. I break out. So I love a good product line that is actually going to do something with my skin and help me not age. So whether we're talking about eye cream, finding that perfect eye cream, whether you're finding that perfect collagen boosting cream that smooths out wrinkles, Young Goose has it all. I use pretty much everything in their line, but my favorites are going to be the Care Moisturizer. This has NAD and NAD boosting powers to it which obviously helps your skin. We love NAD for anti-aging. I use the hyperbaric mask at night. I put that on. Oh my gosh, it just renews and replenishes and hydrates my skin. I use the ProCare Serum. This is an anti-aging serum. It's senolytic, meaning it's going to seek out and destroy the bad cells and promote new cell growth. I use the adaptogenic cleanser. I use the amplifying essence, which really kind of, Boost up your skincare. Overall, bio C peptide spray as a toner. Their entire line is fantastic. If you even start with two to three products, you will notice a difference in your skin. So you're going to go to younggoose.com and you're going to use the code Dr. Amy. This is going to save you 5% off. Now, is it a ginormous savings? No, but their line is so precise and so grounded in science. This is what they can offer. And, you know, I love the owners too. I think buying from from a family-owned company is so important. And if you met the owners, you would fall in love and want to use their products every single day because you know that their heart and soul is literally behind this line. So younggoose.com, use the code Dr. Amy. You will notice a difference in your skin. Have you ever heard of the baobab fruit? It's really interesting and it is such an affordable way to increase your antioxidants because this thing is a multi-talented multivitamin multi-mineral one of a kind supplement in powder form that you throw into your shakes oh my god it just pretty much becomes a no-brainer so this particular baobab boost from Trim Healthy Mama my two favorite ladies on the planet they introduced me to this amazing antioxidant and I fell in love. I put it in all the time. Every single shake that I have, I put the baobab powder in. It's citrus and sherbet tasting dried flesh, has five times the fiber of oats and a higher antioxidant level than any food on the planet. That's eight times that of the super berry acai and more than blueberries and pomegranates combined. So quit eating all the sugar and just use organic baobab fruit pulp. It's that easy. Because Trim Healthy Mama, they put that into a nice powder. Like I said, I just scoop it right out, throw it into my shake. Oh my gosh, it reduces inflammation. It helps with weight loss. And the other really interesting thing about it is it's kind of working as an appetite suppressant. Now I know it's not, touted for that. But when you put it in your shake, especially first thing in the morning, throw that into a nice protein shake, you'll notice that your appetite is definitely curbed. So now I'm thinking of this perfect stack to replace or or supplement those GLPs out there on the market. What if we did Baobab and Metabolism Fixer together? That would be crazy at controlling your appetite and with the baobab you're getting all those antioxidants it's it's amazing and this powder is so affordable it is so affordable so you're going to go to store.trimhealthymama.com and look up baobab it's b a o b a b baobab boost powder uh, these ladies have just gone all out with their entire line but this is one of my favorites because I started using it and I have to say that I noticed the appetite suppression difference and then when I dove down the rabbit hole of what else is in it the antioxidant content the multi-mineral content it just becomes a no-brainer so com. look for baobab powder enjoy According to the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, 27 million Americans suffer from thyroid dysfunction,
1: half of whom go undiagnosed. Subclinical hypothyroidism, a condition in which TSH is elevated but free T4 is normal, may affect an additional 24 million Americans. Taken together, more than 50 million Americans are affected by some form of thyroid disorder. I'm Karen Martel and I'm Amy
0: Horneman and today we are co-hosting this episode to discuss the root cause of hypothyroidism.
1: Yay! Woo-hoo! I'm so stoked to be doing this Amy. I think that I this is a long time coming that we should have done this probably a long time ago but hey, we're here now and doing it now. Oh, it's so important, don't you think? I mean, you solely work with thyroid patients. I work with a lot of thyroid patients too. Yeah. And it is so uh, common for thyroid patients to go to their doctor, be put on their levothyroxine, sent back out the door, and I'll see you in a year. And nothing is ever discussed about, hey, why do you have hypothyroidism?
0: Right. 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 And even if you are on the right medication and not on T4 only, (laughs) which we dislike, even if you're on the right medication, you want to know why. You want to know about those other factors that you can be looking at improving upon to help that med work better, to help your thyroid, if you still have one, work better on its own while you are supplementing with thyroid hormone replacement therapy to just improve your life.
1: Yeah. And this is a good time. I think we should just do a little recap of both of our history with hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can go back. We've both done interviews on each other's podcasts, and you can hear our stories there. But we'll do a little recap for those that haven't listened to those. But um, I was one of those people that actually discovered I was I was hypothyroid. I had a totally normal TSH, normal you know, low but normal. T4 free T4 and a very low free T3. So I finally got diagnosed. My my naturopath said, here's your desiccated thyroid. So I was like, perfect. This is exactly what I need and started taking it. I started increasing my dose. I was optimal. It was the best I ever felt. And I remember my sister saying to me like, well, why are you taking so, you know, you're taking all this thyroid hormone, but you don't know why you actually have it. And I'm like, ah, it's probably because my naturopath has said to me, it's probably just f- familial, like it's coming through like genetics or something. And I, so I just took that. And I was like, yeah, it's because it's runs through my family. My granny had it like, this is why. So <laughs> I, you know, go on my merry way, felt the best I'd ever felt was losing weight effortlessly was just like, this is it. I finally found the answer to my problems. And about six months in, I hit a wall and I got so hypothyroid, way more hypothyroid than I was prior. My labs looked beautiful. I was in the upper range for free T3. My free T4 was middle of the range. My TSH was suppressed. Everything was great looking at my labs. Yet my metabolism plummeted. I gained 10 pounds in a month. I couldn't get off my couch. My skin was super itchy. I was severely depressed, like most depressed I've ever been in my life. And I'm going, what just happened? And it took me a bit to figure out what the hell just happened here. And I was like, thank goodness. One of my best friends is Al Russ who had a reverse T3 problem. And she's like, test your reverse T3. And sure enough, my reverse T3 had climbed and had gone from a 15 to a 19. Mm -hmm. And now people would think, well, that's fine. That should be fine. That's in range. You know, I think it's anything over 21, is it Amy? That It's flagged, 24.
0: All the way to 24 before you even get them flagged.
1: Right. And so it went to 19 and everything shut down in my system and it was terrible. And so since then, that was a couple of years ago, I've just, I have had to figure out what is the root cause because when there's a, especially a reverse T3 in there, Mm -hmm. we know then that there's something affecting my conversion of T4 to T3, and it's making me go into a storage hormone. So taking all that desiccated T4 in that desiccated thyroid was going shuttling into reverse T3 and making me very sick. And it took me a very long time to recover. And I've just been on this road of trying to figure out, and we're going to get into what my causes were. And I'm going to talk about that today, but Amy, let's start, you know, tell us what happened with you. Yeah, we we share such a similar story.
0: Different, different starting points, same end point. So for me, I, this is going back 20 some years. I was competing in fitness figure competitions, kind of like bodybuilding competitions only, you know, you're on stage in a bikini and doing some fitness modeling. And so dieting down, dieting down. And I had done this so many times before, so many times. So I knew how my body would respond. I'm not naturally thin by any means. I have diabetes and obesity in my family. So I always had to work my butt off to get down to that show shape. And this was time number, I don't know, 10, 12, 15. Wow. And this time I was gaining weight instead of losing weight. And by the time the scale hit 20 pounds plus, I stopped weighing myself. I mean, that was just my frustration point at, at the very top. The very top yeah. of my frustration was 20 points and 20 pounds. And then I wouldn't get on the scale anymore. And I went to doctor after doctor Saying, I know something is wrong with me. Here's what I'm eating. Here's how many times I'm going to the gym. Here's what I'm doing every day. And I still heard, eat less, exercise more. There's nothing wrong with you. They couldn't even use that you're just getting older on me because I was only in my 20s, right? So they (laughs) they had very little to work with. They were here. you're fine. You're fine. You're normal, air quotes. You're normal. So I kept going doctor after doctor. I wouldn't give up. Seventh one finally diagnosed me with hypothyroidism. And honestly, back then, I don't think they even tested my antibodies. I don't ever remember hearing Hashimoto's back then. So it was just hypo, here's a pill. I was stuck on T4 only. So I got my, my levo or Synthroid or whatever it was. And I thought the same thing as you did. Yes, I have a diagnosis. I have a medication. This is going to change my life. And then five months later, nothing. Not a pound lost. Not one pound. No difference in energy. My hair didn't grow back still falling out. So that's when I started my doctor Google search, right? Like we all do. We get frustrated. We start looking for answers. Like what the heck's going on with me? Then I find this T3 information and I go back to my doctor. I'm like, Hey, there's this T3 thing. And turns out it works really well when you pair it off with T4. And now back then, I didn't know that I had a reverse T3 problem either. Usually, like you you said, it kind of comes out over time. You might do really well with T4 and T3 in the beginning. So I asked her about T3. She said, not going to do that. So like any pain to purpose story, I found my functional medicine practitioner. He became my mentor, changed my career trajectory. And really, I mean, I was at the point where I said, if I'm this frustrated, Other people are too. And that's really what led me down the the functional medicine specializing in the thyroid path because so many, just like we said in the beginning, so many are going undiagnosed. What if I would have stopped at doctor number one or doctor number three, or what if I stopped at doctor number six and just said, well, you know, doctor's right. I must be normal. It must be my fault. I must be doing something. Like, no. So yeah, I mean, just through through a process then also, like we are the, the reverse T3 sisters. My reverse T3 went up. If you give me T4, I get worse. So change of medication along the way, all leading to an optimal state. And that's really what we want to look at is how to make you optimal. And a lot of that is looking at what is causing it, what is driving it. So yes, I love, believe me, I love proper medication for someone. I love it right? We want to give you the right amount of thyroid hormone replacement therapy if you need it in order to make you optimal, make you feel your best. But also let's look at the causes. Let's look at what's beneath the surface. Cause sometimes if we fix that, if we fix those underlying issues, all of a sudden your thyroid works better. And then it's like, Hey, maybe you don't need med or maybe you need less, or maybe you need, you know, and then we just Mm -hmm. optimize your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. So did you end up getting diagnosed with
0: Hashimoto's then too? Well, it was kind of like a process of elimination diagnosis. I think if I look at, they they did the thing that I see on my patients now, they tested one. You know, they they tested one antibody for getting that there's two antibodies that you need to test. And it came up that I had, you know, 10 antibodies at the time, but the reference range is less than 20. So that means, and again, in functional medicine, if you have antibodies, those are antibodies against your thyroid. That is Hashimoto's might be the beginning stages of, or it might be that you've just taken care of yourself for so long that you have itty bitty antibodies, but they're still antibodies. So yes. I mean, the fact that autoimmune gets autoimmune where we see one, we see more than one, I have psoriasis that's mm-hmm. autoimmune. I had antibodies in my one antibody, my, my TPO it's Hashi. I don't need to be tested five other times to tell you that. Plus I've been on T3 and been gluten-free for so long. I probably wouldn't show up with antibodies right now anyways. Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So let's get into how is it that the over-exercise extreme dieting caused it? And how do you see that in your own clinical practice? Right. So that's a big one, right? So Mm -hmm. we know
0: if we start off with 90 to 95% of all hypothyroid cases are Hashimoto's. So if we start with the autoimmune premise... All autoimmune diseases start with a genetic predisposition. You can look back at your family and say, hey, did anybody have type 1 diabetes? Does anyone have Crohn's? Does anyone have RA? Does anyone have lupus, MS, psoriasis? All of these autoimmune conditions. Or, hey, Hashimoto's. How about your gram? How about your aunt? Did they have Hashi? So then you have that genetic predisposition. And you add a stressor on top of that. And we'll get into the other piece of that with food and gluten and all that. But you add a stressor like extreme dieting, extreme exercising, which I'm totally guilty of doing when I was in show mode. I mean, I was at the gym a couple of times a day. That's a stress on the body. So now you're going to turn on that autoimmune switch. Now that light switch turns on because of a stress. I mean, we, we see it right with, with any kind of stress or hormone changes, perimenopause, puberty, pregnancy, the three Ps are a big one, but with, with over-exercise and, and, and dieting, over-dieting, over-restriction of your calories, that can turn that switch on. The other thing that over-dieting and over-exercising does is it lowers your free T3. So now you have this autoimmune surfacing and you're pushing down your active thyroid hormone, T3, you're, you're totally going into a hypo state. I mean, your cells can't function without T3. So, that stressor on the body can turn on the autoimmune component and it can also indirectly push down your free T3 level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just saw somebody the other day, I saw her lab work and she had, I got her to test the full thyroid panel, whichever one this is where you start. You test the, both the, those antibodies, you test your reverse T3, don't just test TSH. Yeah. But her, her antibodies were quite high. And her thyroid was normal as far as levels. Like she had appropriate levels of free T3, appropriate levels of free T4, but yet she had high antibodies. So this is why it's so key, I think, to make sure you do test for both those antibodies because you may have, you have to think like if you've got antibodies, that's a sign that your body is destroying your thyroid. So you need to catch it. Now before those thyroid hormones start to deplete.
0: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Catch it early.
1: Yeah. And I've actually also heard um, that Hashimoto's is the gateway autoimmune condition in the sense of it'll be the first autoimmune to develop and many others can follow. So it's like this gateway is like the first autoimmune condition that you'll get because of whatever root cause is causing it.
0: Right. So like we said, where we see one, we see more than one. A lot of times people will walk around because thyroid is so undiagnosed. People will walk around with undiagnosed Hashimoto's. And like you said, that could have been the very first one. And you'll have people say, but I have Crohn's disease, but I have celiac. Those came first. No, those were diagnosed first. Right. Yeah. Those are diagnosed first. Hashi is often undiagnosed because of just what we we said. People are not getting properly tested. They're only having maybe one antibody tested if you're lucky to get your antibodies tested in the first place. So yeah, it's it's definitely the, the gateway for other autoimmune conditions.
1: And so you would say that zero antibodies is what's
0: best? Yeah, I say zero. Now, antibodies do fluctuate right? So let's say we go through a stressful time. Um, You're working long hours. You are taking care of a family. Somebody lost their job. You're going through a divorce. You know, any kind of stressor can push up those antibodies. And you're going to get into kind of like the co-infection stressor Mm -hmm. because then we can see antibodies go up as well. Uh, sometimes what you eat, you want to go on a gluten fest, you might see your antibodies come up. So there's different things that will make antibodies fluctuate, but for the most part, we want to see them at zero or close to it as possible. We want to see a decrease when we're addressing things in your life, like the underlying infections and hormones and insulin, everything we're going to talk about today. We want to see them go down. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So for you, did you have high antibodies?
1: No, I I always had some antibodies, but never flagged, of course, right? right and right. like you said, it they fluctuate, but on the very low end. So I, it wasn't something that I ever really dove into too hard for myself, for my own diagnosis. But right. I, I do see almost everybody that has hypothyroidism with some antibodies. Like I think that yeah. it's almost across the board that most people... And that is so... The Hashimoto's is a root cause of hypothyroidism, but then you have to get to if that's the cause, then you have to get to the root cause of the Hashimoto's, which course, can right. be quite different, <laughs> right? So we kind of go into a couple of different levels there, and that's a whole nother podcast as far as autoimmune Hashimoto's go, and what could be the root cause of that, or what how you could treat it to get better, right? Right. You know, right. and, well, and even I, some of the things
0: you're going to talk about could be yeah. the root cause. We they they cross over. Everything crosses over. Everything
1: yeah. crosses <laughs> over. Yeah. So. When it came to my own, I once I discovered that I had this crazy reverse T3 problem that was making me so sick, I had to then go through, okay, what could be the cause of a high reverse T3? And like you said, it can be from extreme dieting. That can definitely be it or high stress. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd started with, okay, what's my cortisol doing? My cortisol was low across the board, same with my DHEA. So I knew I was in some adrenal insufficiency. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have high stress in my life. Like I'm actually pretty good at like self-care and not you know doing too much. I probably work too much for sure. But just in stress in general, I'm not this like really highly stressed go-go person. I, I make sure that I take some time to myself and all that, right? So I was like, if my adrenals are down, my thyroid's down, my reverse T3 is up, one of the other causes of low adrenal function, is infection. So I thought I I think I've got something going on in here. So I started with mold. And this is where I want everybody to start too. Like what I'm going to talk about here today is definitely like what you have to go through in order to get to these root causes, right? Like you start with testing, see what if you've got the antibodies, is it Hashimoto's? And then, you know, you can go to okay, let's test for these hidden infections. That can cause these problems. So I started with mold, and that can be easily done by just going to what's called the visual acuity test online. Yeah, So yeah. cheap, right? It's like 10 so bucks. Yeah. It's like, just do it. Because <laughs> yeah. actual mold testing is about 500 here in Canada.
0: <laughs> crazy. It's
1: yeah. Crazy. And so to know whether or not it's worth the money to spend to actually test for it you start with this visual acuity test and oddly enough, mold somehow affects your visual, but you don't notice that. But you take this test online and it'll tell you, and it's 95% accurate, I think, right? It is, I mean, to save
0: $490, yeah, I would say I'll I'll roll with that 5% inaccurate to take the 95% (laughs) accurate,
1: yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I didn't think I was ever exposed to mold, but I was like, I just have to start, Ticking these boxes off, so take the mold test. It said that I didn't have mold, but that I was fighting something, and then it could be heavy metals. That's Mm -hmm. what the test told me, and I was like, "Oh." So I went on to Wendy Meyer's site and I took her heavy metals quiz. Mm -hmm. Came out that I didn't have anything. Like I was like, no, 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 didn't have any of these typical symptoms. So I was like, I don't. I really don't think I have heavy metals, but. I'll just go get it tested just to rule it out. That's sort of what my my headspace was about it. So in I go, I went to my naturopath. I said, let's do a heavy metals challenge test. And we did it. And I came back as there's, you know, mild, moderate, and severe. I was at the very end, as far as the line could go, in mercury and lead. So I have massive amounts of mercury and lead in my body. And I was like, what? What? I don't even have, I have never had a filling in my life. So that's why I thought there's no way that I've got mercury poisoning. I've got no mercury fillings. Well, it goes, I guess it, your mother, if she's got mercury fillings, She'll pass on half her mercury load to the fetus, to the baby. So there I was born, I think from, from, her load of mercury was filled with them. So I had yep. that. I was vaccinated, like most yeah. children are. Yeah. Vaccines, especially at that time, were full of thermosol, mercury. Yep. yep. I w- I was raised in a very old house that was built before the 1970s. And all There's of those lead. houses, lead, lead piping. Yep. And it's just, I think it's just so much in our environment. I recently retested And they did a pre and post provocation test, which means that they tested me before giving me what's called a chelator just to see how much mercury and lead is swimming around in my body just on average here. And they were still moderate levels. So that means that I'm getting current exposure from, from my environment. And I, now that I've researched it for about two years now, I've done, I've really gone down the rabbit hole on heavy metals Every one of you have heavy metals. We are all exposed. There's no getting away from them. And there are no safe levels of lead in the body. Just right. so everybody knows like there's none, there's not, not even one, right. <laughs> whatever right. the unit of measurement is, not even one is safe. And so if we're all being exposed, it's like, well, why doesn't, why don't we all have thyroid symptoms then? Well, some of us have great detoxification ability and can get rid of these heavy metals and are not affected by these heavy metals like Mm -hmm. other people are. But if you've got detoxification issues, maybe your liver's not up to par, maybe you drink too much, maybe you've got the MTHR, maybe you just have poor, you know, just, just poor detox pathways, which can absolutely happen and they can get clogged up. Right. We have, we're we're exposed to so many toxins right now. Yeah. And it can vary from month to month.
0: You could do, you know, your liver can be burdened just from toxic exposure and, and supplements and, and food that you ate, you know, or, or excess yeah. alcohol. If you went on vacation, like it can vary month to month. So one month you might be processing and the next month, not so much.
1: Yeah. And we're, you know? I mean, people are being just born into this world now. Like babies are having hundreds of different chemicals in their blood when they're born. So we all have it. We just all are being affected by it differently. I think heavy metals are definitely a root cause to autoimmune conditions. I mean, the, it, the list really does go on to Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. Any sort of hormone dysfunction, there can, heavy metals can cause that, can cause anxiety and depression, mental disorders. I mean, it's pretty crazy. So I, I really believe that that was my root cause and it mm-hmm. still is. Um, I'm in the process of chelating and it's definitely, I'm starting to feel better, but chelation takes years to get rid of lead and mercury. So, but mercury, it, it does hide in the brain. So it can affect what's called your pituitary gland, which then can affect the thyroid. Also, it has an affinity for the thyroid. Mercury, mercury, lead and cadmium, but especially mercury will occupy it has, it has a similar makeup to iodine and will actually occupy the iodine sites in the thyroid. And you need iodine for thyroid to function properly. So mm-hmm. if you've got lots of mercury, it's going to occupy these sites and it's going to start to destroy the thyroid function. Yeah. Because mercury you're not getting so the iodine. Toxic. Yep. It's so toxic. And once again, there is no safe levels either of mercury. It's, it's you don't want any. And, and if, if you have... Mercury fillings, 100% they leak. And don't yeah. believe a dentist that tells you otherwise because it's yeah. not true. They vaporize. Mm-hmm. And definitely, the longer you've had them, the less vapor because they harden, but they still will be leaking. And it's like they vaporize up into the brain, right? Yeah. And into the soft tissues of your mouth. And yeah, and then Down, it'll,
0: just think mouth here. Thyroid here.
1: <laughs> What's going to happen? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. And so, all of those, like even aluminum, um, there's evidence that exposure can affect the parathyroid glands and suppress the release of parathyroid hormone. Um, as I said, the mercury and iodine are chemically very similar, and so your thyroid will quickly absorb and store it, and it will occupy the iodine receptor site. Um, mercury's got the affinity for it and will actually cause inflammation, low body temperature and the hypothyroidism, uh, and then lead as well. There's, there's evidence to support both that lead does cause problems. And then there's also some kind of mixed research on it that I found, but I mean, I think that it a hundred percent does <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from my own experience from your, own, yeah.
0: Well, and we know it just from your experience and from medical literature. We yep. know it. We know it. Now let me pause you right there. Cause I know our listeners are going to be thinking immediately. Cause as soon as they hear something, they're like, I got to get tested. How do I get <laughs> to- <laughs> And, and you and I are budget practitioners. We're, we're not out to make people spend, you know, millions of dollars on functional testing and all that. So I, I did have my heavy metals tested, but I just went with the serum. Cause I, two reasons. Number one, I wanted to get them tested. Number two, I wanted to see the accuracy of a blood test that my nurse practitioner ordered that was covered by insurance. So I didn't have to spend $500 on a heavy metal panel from a functional you know, lab somewhere because I want my patients to be able to do the same. I don't want them to have to spend money. But in your experience, is a blood test accurate enough or do we have to go the route of functional testing or what's better?
1: I think you have to go the route, unfortunately, of functional testing because, like I said, mercury has an affinity for the brain. It will hide in the brain and there's no, so it won't, that won't show up in blood. Lead stores in bone. So you can't, it'll, it'll store itself in bone unless it's given a chelator, which a chelator is a supplement that you take that pulls these heavy metals out of the organs out of the bone so that you can see what the load is of those heavy metals it does oh i have heard that it overshows. like there's no super great test for heavy metals that's what i've heard so you've got the option of serum which is going to test any exposure that you've had recently like if you just ate a bunch of tuna or you had some crazy exposure for some reason, maybe you've got your mercury fillings taken out improperly. If that's the case, then you will have immediate exposure in the blood and you could test that via serum. Urine, they'll give you this chelator, which then pulls these heavy metals out of their storage places, but it will overshow. That's why it's good to get the pre- and post-provocation. So you can kind of go, okay, I do have some definitely. And then so kind of go in between those two results. And that would be kind of what you would say, okay, this is how much I have. So I would say I'd probably have about three quarters of the line up, not all the way, which it showed when I was provocated. Mm-hmm. So doing that. And then there's hair analysis. So the just so everyone knows, the provocation tests with a naturopath, Will usually run about $200. There are ways that you could do this though for on your own at home so you don't have to pay the visit, but you have to do it in a certain way. So there's tests from Everly Well, ZRT does them where they test for like urine test for heavy metals. But what you'd want to do is take a chelator first which they don't tell you that in the kit. So you take a key later so that you pull them out, then take the test to get a, more of an accurate reading. And that would be a cost-effective way to test. Or you can do hair mineral analysis testing, which is the, probably the most popular way of doing it because it is so inexpensive and so easy to do. So it's a hundred bucks. You, you know, I've, I sell them in my shop and you take a piece of your hair, you send it in and they test for heavy metals. But once again, this is only going to test with, if you've had any exposure in the last three months. So it doesn't tell test what's stored in the system. So if you're eating a lot of fatty fish that has mercury in it, it'll show up in the hair, but a lot of the other ones, they won't. And so what you have to do is look at get an understanding of what it looks like to have, if you have mercury poisoning, it will affect the minerals in the body, which I think is another reason why it causes hypothyroidism because it can cause a deficiency in these minerals. And so if you have somebody that knows how to properly read hair mineral analysis test, they can look at the minerals. So it looks like you have no heavy metals, but by looking at the minerals and seeing this deficiency in them, mm-hmm. They can say, you know what, you do actually screen mercury because look at where your minerals are and then right. you can go ahead and treat that. But I find that most people won't take that as a, yes, they have heavy metals. They yeah, they. they it's to better see it. to see the hard, like, yeah. here's your, here it is kind of thing. So I, I definitely go for provocation.
0: Yeah. I like CRT. I like your idea of, of doing the chelator before and then using CRT.
1: Yeah. 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 And you can do that. You can get EDTA, which is a key later. You can buy that on Amazon. And some people just as a warning out there, some people, it does make them very sick to have a provocation test because if you are, for instance, if you've got mercury fillings, I would not suggest doing it because you're going to get sick because you're pulling the mercury out of your teeth into the system. If you have mercury
0: fillings, guess what? You have high mercury. Like you don't even need to test <laughs> You, need to, exactly see a what you mean. to get your fillings out first. Don't even save your money. Like don't even save bother your money. T-
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have to be careful if you're, if you're chronically ill, I would definitely start with the hair test because it's not the most least invasive and have somebody to properly read the mineral levels and to see if you have, if they think that you have mercury, but yep. because yeah, you need to do it carefully, throwing in a, a heavy amount of, chelators to test, which is what they do with provocation, you usually get an IV therapy done and they're fill you full of this chelator agent. It can cause what's called redistribution of heavy metals. And so they, they throw it all in. You can't pee it all out and you're, it'll redistribute throughout the body and make you sick. So you have to be very careful.
0: And that is why, let me side note that that is why, like you said, it takes years to detox from heavy metals, specifically mercury, because it does cross the blood brain barrier. It's one of the only heavy metals that can enter the brain. So, you know, these detox protocols, quick fixes, you know, cleanses, all that, you're not going to get rid of mercury in three to six months. It's going to, it's most likely going to take a couple of years. That's a, that's one that you have to be patient on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. patience. And so the other, you know, just to touch on some other infections that could cause hypothyroidism, and I want to hear your take on this too, Amy, but uh, Lyme disease, I see a lot of Epstein-Barr virus, Mm -hmm. and I I was taught by Dr. Kylie Burton. She was on my show recently, and I think she was on your show too. She's fabulous, but she taught me how to read labs, and she says, you know, if you see monocytes, which is on a typical blood work, you know, that your doctor will give you. And it might not be flagged. And even if it is, they don't say anything to you. Right. But if you're monocytes, so you can look on your test for monocytes. And if it's above eight, especially over 10, that is sign a sign that you have Epstein-Barr virus, which is mon- mono is the best way to, yeah. chronic mono. We all have Epstein-Barr virus or 95% of the population has Epstein-Barr virus, but it's whether or not it's dormant or active, And if it's chronic, and so a lot of chronic Epstein-Barr virus can lead to hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you, what do you see as far as any other infections? So just real quick on the Epstein-Barr, it's kind of funny
0: because a lot of people don't, you'll, you hear this too. I never had mono. I go, yeah, you did. You probably just stayed home for a few days from school. Yeah, Yeah. It was like the flu. Your mom didn't take you to the doctor, but you had mono. Right. I I, 95, easily 95% of us have that latent EBV. And I I like to explain it to people. More people can understand in terms of chickenpox, because you know, you had chickenpox, right? So now you know that any point in your life, you can get shingles. Maybe you won't. You might, you might walk through this lifetime and never get a shingles outbreak, even without the shingles vaccine. You might never get a shingles outbreak, but it's there. That, that virus is living in your system. Same with EBV. You could go dormant your whole life. It could never bother you ever. You could feel fantastic. You take an Epstein-Barr virus panel. It shows four different markers. One of them is an active marker. Three of them are dormant markers. Those dormant markers can be high if the active one is not. Then it's just it's dormant. You don't have to. And then we have to kind of pair it up with, like you said, is it chronic? Is it affecting you? Do you feel okay? Like when I tested mine, I'm I'm fine. I have no symptoms. I'm fine. I'm optimized. I'm good. I just did it just to see. I go, oh, yep, there it is. Look at that. It's dormant. Go figure. Me and everyone else. But it wasn't active, so there's nothing to worry about. Uh, Epstein Barr virus is a big one, especially when it's active. And then, like you said, Lyme disease. You know, I did I did a Lyme panel too, and. Uh, well, I did a Lyman tick-borne okay. illness. So I tested positive for Babesia duncanny, which is some Utah tick. Never been to Utah. Oh, yeah, Some Utah tick that decided to bite <laughs> me. But again, it's like, you know, I look at it as it's data. I don't need that data right now to figure out everything because everything's fine. But it's, it's data. So I know that that's there. I know EBV is there. If my body ever goes haywire, then I retest those and see am I in an, an active state? Does something go up? Is that the underlying cause of why I feel like garbage? So that's kind of how I, I tie that in.
1: A lot of patients do have
0: chronic Lyme though. What, yeah. what have you done in your practice with the
1: Lyme? I I am not um, super well versed with the Lyme stuff because you really to, to even it's hard to test. Um, these, one of the more accurate tests I do believe has to be done in Germany. I don't know if that's still the case, but, um, a lot of the time you'll test the antibodies and they'll come back normal, even though a person does have Lyme disease. So it's, it's definitely one of these, like crazy chronic illnesses that get misdiagnosed for yeah. years and years and years, but it is very, very prevalent right now in North America. It's, it's the, we've got like an epidemic of Lyme disease right now. So it's crazy. Yeah. I just don't have the means to treat it. So I don't think I, I just don't test it because I don't have the yeah. means to treat it. But if I certainly, if I suspect that somebody has it, I'll tell them, you know, you should go and see somebody that can test this. Lyme can be
0: transmitted sexually. can be transmitted via a mosquito. So now we know that the transmission of Lyme has expanded. So more and more people do have it. More and more doctors are acknowledging it, but not testing properly. And you're right. Sometimes I'll just see like a, I don't know what it's called, like an IgM or something for Lyme, but there's so many bands. So there's the Western blot. We get into the ELISA um, test. And by no means am I, I mean, you have to be a Lyme specialist to know all the different things about Lyme. I mean, there's so much to it. So I, yeah. I, I couldn't rattle off all the different testing, but I, I like to see it. I like to see it in my patients. So I tell them, just ask for a Western blood. So at least I can see all the different bands. There's so much to it. But just to yeah. know that Lyme or chronic Lyme, it's going to cause inflammation. That inflammation can downregulate your thyroid. It can cause uh, conversion issues. It can cause other symptoms in your body that mimic hypothyroidism. So you might think, Hey, my thyroid's tanking, but you're just really freaking tired from the Lyme disease. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I did a great interview with Dr. Jay Davidson, who is a Lyme expert. Yeah. And he, uh, it was on my thyroid. I did an advanced thyroid series and he was on it talking about the connection between Lyme and thyroid. So if you, you suspect that maybe Lyme is an issue for you, then I would recommend just listening to that podcast and just listen, seeing if, you know, if it relates to what you're, what you're going through and go from there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then parasites too. parasites are another infection that I've, that can affect um, thyroid function is just because of what's going on in the gut and what it can do with autoimmune conditions. And just so everybody knows, both Lyme and parasites often go hand in hand with heavy metals and both of them will hide inside heavy metals. So the heavy metals actually protect these microorganisms, the Lyme, the parasites. So even when you try and do this detoxification or killing off of Lyme disease and parasites, a lot of the time you can't get rid of them until you get rid of the heavy metals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's
1: deep stuff. I understand. I'm sure everybody's going, okay, ladies, (laughs) you know, you're confusing the hell out of me. But this is like, like I said before, just start knocking them off the list. You know, like Amy tested her lime. She tested her heavy metals. I actually haven't tested that's the one thing is lime I haven't tested for because I kind of stopped at the heavy metal thing, but You know, you just start ticking these off. If you've got hypothyroidism, you just go through one by one. And financially, you might be able to just test one every six months, you know, but just start going through them so that you can start getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. And that's the
0: big thing. You know, we don't want everyone to think that they need to run out right now and spend all this money on all these different tests. These are just pieces to think of to connect what caused your hypothyroidism. And if you're not feeling well, if you're not optimized, if it's not just a a situation of, oh, I'm just not on the right medication. If you feel like you're on the right medication, you're on the right dose, you felt good for a while, like you did, Karen, you felt good for a while. And then like, what the hell, what happened? I'm feeling like crap again. What's going on? So then that's when we kind of look deeper. When I first work with a patient, I'm not, or I'm not, I'm not like, listen, we need, we need this and we need heavy metals and we need that. And we need that. It's like, let's start with the basics because you're going to make people will lose their mind. If you tell them they need that many tests, let's start with the basics. And then if you're not feeling better, we can start peeling the onion and get to the other layers that, that could be causing you to not feel well.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I, I approach it the same way, which is Let's get you optimized on yeah. medication if we can, first and foremost, so that so that you'll even just have the energy to get to the root problem, right? Yeah. I always say like, yeah. let's just get you feeling better. And right. sometimes that is all somebody needs. They just, it is a, you know, something they may have picked up from a family member or, you know, it's genetics, or you might not have certain enzymes, the deodinase enzymes and thyroid. And that could be one of the causes that is just a matter of you just need to be on medication for the rest of your life, period, you know, yeah. or you're just this bad converter, whatever it might be. There is those people that it is just a matter of you need to be medicated. Yeah. But yeah. that is the place to start. And then, like you said, if you're not feeling that great or you're, you're wanting to get to the root of the problem, then you just slowly start going through these things. So next up, I wanted us to jump into the the correlation between our hormones, different hormones and thyroid and hypothyroidism being the cause of hypothyroidism or contributing to hypothyroidism. So, Amy, estrogen? Estrogen.
0: We love it and we hate it, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> want it for nice smooth skin. We just don't want too much of it. So Estrogen dominance is a huge issue when we're talking about that T4 to T3 conversion. So if you have a high reverse T3 problem, let's look at your hormones. Let's look at estrogen and make sure that you're not in a dominant state because we know that estrogen increases the protein thyroid binding globulin that carries the thyroid hormones in the blood. So if we have too much of this protein, then not enough thyroid hormones will be free and unbound to enter the cell and yeah we can talk about how to test this you know i here's the we're going back to this whole money thing budget thing i like to start with the serum because if someone has insurance listen that's why you have it let's test your serum let's try to you know target it day 19 to 22 of your cycle and and let's just see what your numbers are there and then we can kind of move into Hey, if we're doing a 4 point salivary cortisol panel, let's throw in the salivary hormones too cuz that's cool. Um and I like to compare saliva and serum as same well. I, yeah, I love seeing the, you know, especially if we can time it on the same day, you know, same this month, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh, so it's, it's so cool. And then the Dutch test, I'll let you speak on a little bit more. I don't use it often because of the price. And again, that's one of those like okay, if we can't figure out your damn hormones with serum and saliva, and maybe you're not, you know, methylating properly. And there's this, this issue over here, then we move on to the Dutch, but I, I don't use it that often. I want to know your opinion on that.
1: Yeah. So I do use Dutch, but it is expensive. And so I do way more saliva than I do Dutch. I always say it really does depend on where you are. Like if you're a cycling woman, I think it's best if, if you can afford to do it, to do either saliva or urine testing, because it's going to be far more accurate because you can have normal levels of estrogen in the blood because you're testing what's called bound hormone levels. And then yeah. you'll have something completely different in saliva, which is free hormone levels. And then the urine is going to show you how you're metabolizing these hormones, which is super important piece as well. And so if you're dealing with a lot of hormonal dysfunction, you should, you know, lean towards the saliva or the urine test for more accuracy, but like you said, Amy, if you can't afford it, just do the serum because it's better than not doing anything at all. And it's a good place to start so that you can see, like, maybe if it is reflected in that, then you can say, you know what, it is a kind of on the low side. Maybe you do want to spend the money and do saliva or, you know, you're, you're still experiencing all these symptoms, but these look normal. Maybe you need to do the saliva or the urine testing. The saliva, the comprehensive one, it works out to be like 275. So, you know, I always say if if somebody is having a hard time affording that, I can always split the price up. I'm sure you could do the same. Maybe like there are things that you could do, you know, to or save up the money for it. I always think too, like if somebody said that you could buy a house for $275, you'd find the money real fast, wouldn't you? So, you know, put your health first and just go, okay, maybe I need to save up for this because testing your hormones as a hypothyroid patient is definitely, I'd say, one of the top things that you can do to optimize the weight loss piece, wouldn't you say? Like, Because if there's estrogen dominance and hypothyroidism, and that estrogen dominance is the root cause, well, clearing that estrogen out is going to make your thyroid function better and it's going to make you lose weight. So getting it tested, I think, is just like it's a must have for sure. And then as you age, I think if you're in menopause and you don't have any estrogen and progesterone, that will be reflected in serum levels. And then you can test via serum. It's going to be more accurate mm-hmm. if you no longer have a period or if you're farther into perimenopause. So serum can be better for that. And then I like urine for if you're starting hormone replacement, it is good to see how you're metabolizing those hormones.
0: Oh, yeah. Via yeah. urine. Yeah. And that's the Dutch. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the Dutch. So spectrum there of price, cost, and etc. cetera, but I think it is definitely worth doing 100%. Yeah. The, some of the other hormones that I see affecting, of course, is progesterone. Progesterone will, will do the opposite of what high estrogen does. So yeah. progesterone can decrease thyroid-binding globulin and increase the activity of thyroid. Mm -hmm. And I will say low estrogen can also cause hypothyroidism. Yeah. It's really hard. No, you want that Goldilocks with always with the hormones, right? It's going to, but there isn't a ton. There's more information on estrogen dominance in thyroid than there is estrogen deficiency, Mm -hmm. but we see hypothyroidism happening in menopause. menopause. Yep. So, we, you know, you'll go your whole life, never have a thyroid problem, and then suddenly you've got hypothyroidism because you're losing your estrogen and your progesterone. And estrogen stimulates thyroid growth. So too little estrogen may result in not enough thyroid tissue, and it stimulates the thyroid to make thyroid hormone precursor thyroid globulin. So there's you want that perfect amount so if you're going through perimenopause and menopause and you see that your metabolism is dropping your basal body temperature or you get tested and it's low it could be because you need the estrogen and progesterone and from what i've read it's about 20 percent of women can develop hypothyroidism from perimenopause or menopause
0: right right yeah
1: and so, what about insulin, Amy?
0: Uh, I know you love insulin and thyroid. I do. I'll share insulin with you, but uh, <laughs> I do love insulin. Well, you know, because we see so much insulin resistance with. Hypo, so we we see it go hand in hand. Whether it's coming in the form of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, or it's just you have high insulin because maybe you've been eating processed foods, you're eating too much sugar, you're eating too many carbs, or your thyroid is off, insulin signaling is off as well. So it's kind of like a back and forth feedback. But I always say having insulin resistance and hypo is like the double whammy to your metabolism because you have two different things going on it's driving all of those hypo symptoms. Insulin is very inflammatory. It's one of those crazy hormones. We need it for life. We need insulin for life, but we don't want too much of it. So it's like, I call it the Jekyll and Hyde hormone because on the one hand needed for life. Other hand, it it literally becomes the fat storage hormone. So I want you to think of insulin as like as like being really inflammatory and just grabbing fat and storing it on your body. It's just storing fat, a very rudimentary explanation of insulin. But that's how you have to think of it. You don't want too much of it, but it is needed for life. So where we see issues with the thyroid is let's say you are walking around eating whatever you wanna eat, right? You're you're a high carb eater, you're eating a lot of sugar. Chances are you are going to move into that pre-diabetic state or insulin resistant state and your cells have some of their doors closed for insulin. So the insulin can't get into the cell. Glucose, you'll see it in your blood glucose readings. Those go up. So if you're pre-diabetic, diabetic, diabetic, you you know your blood glucose readings are 200, 300, 400. They're pushing higher and higher on a daily basis. And that insulin can't get into the cell. That's creating this big time inflammatory state, big time inflammation in your body. And that high insulin will not only impair, again, going back to reverse T3, it's going to impair T4 to T3 conversion. It's going to drive up reverse T3. So that's going to go higher. And when reverse T3 is high, metabolism goes down. So I know I'm I'm kind of going in all different directions with insulin and reverse T3, but reverse T3 is the survival mechanism of our body. So if you're in the ER, the ICU, it's going to go up because your body knows it's, you don't need to be burning fat and growing hair when you're in a traumatic state in the ICU or ER. Conserving. Yeah. Yeah. You're conserving. You're in conservation mode. So if you're walking around with high insulin, And you're not in the ER or ICU, but your reverse T3 is being pushed up because your body's basically saying, oh my gosh, this person's in this inflammatory state all the time. Their insulin is so hot all the time. Here goes reverse T3. They don't need a metabolism. They need to take care of this insulin deal thing. So reverse T3 starts going up. Metabolism goes down. Thyroid function goes down. So everything slows down all because you're walking around with high insulin. Now, yes, it could be choices you're making poor food choices. It could be that you have polycystic ovarian syndrome causing insulin resistance. It could be that you're not quite optimizing your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And then your insulin signaling is off because we always see insulin resistance with hypo. And then that high insulin is making your thyroid work even less than what it was in the beginning. So it's just kind of like a, a ping pong effect. Like bad thyroid, high insulin, high insulin, poor thyroid function, high reverse T3, low free T3. It's just, it's a bad scenario all the way around.
1: Yeah. And then low blood sugar will also cause hypothyroidism too. Like your body needs, and you'll see that in like the low carb ketogenic intermittent fasting world, where you see people downregulate their thyroid function because they're not getting enough glucose in. So once again, Goldilocks, we need that Goldilocks amount.
0: Um,
1: But yeah, so insulin, super, you know, uh, I I see that always hand in hand with thyroid. And it's always a tough call as to which do you treat first, right? Because the way to treat insulin resistance is through the lower carb diets and intermittent fasting, but then that can downregulate your thyroid production. So it's kind of trying to figure out, okay, what do we use? And, you know, to address both kind of at the same time. And I find that as well with the adrenals, like cortisol is another hormone that will get involved with thyroid function. And I know Amy, you'll agree to this. Every thyroid patient has an adrenal issue. I think
0: (laughs) most everyone, right. And now they, they will think that they probably say this to you too, my adrenals are blown out. I have yeah. a <laughs> key because they read it five blown times. Out. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the case that you are in true burnout because that's low. That is low, low, low cortisol all day long when we test it on a four point. and And cortisol should have a curve. It should start high in the morning and go down throughout the day and be low at night to chill us out and let us sleep. If you really, the only time, honestly, Karen, the only time I've ever seen bottomed out cortisol is with a patient. I'll never forget her because when we, we got her results back, I was like, this makes complete sense. She had gone through a divorce, lost money in the divorce and lost her 22 year old son in a drunk driving <gasps> accident all in the same year.
1: Trauma. That
0: amount of stress, we probably could have tested her at some point and she would have been high across the board, just high cortisol all day long, just pumping it out. But eventually the body says enough. And now she's in that low, low, low state. Not many people walk around all the way low or all the way high. Mm-hmm. It's normally these, these periods throughout the day that just get funky. Like, oh, this one's really high. And then you're high at night. No wonder you can't sleep. And you're low
1: in the morning. No wonder you can't wake up. Things like that this yeah. is what I say. And there's a relationship between thyroid production and cortisol production. They both have a circadian rhythm and thyroid. If there's not enough of it, it's supposed to come on early morning hours. It comes up and it's supposed to trigger cortisol to come up. And so if you've got no thyroid hormone, your cortisol can be low. And so there's a lot of practitioners out there that say, well, we're going to treat your adrenals first Instead of treating the thyroid and in hopes that that will fix the thyroid problem. And I find, and this really came from L Russ who said, no, no, you got to treat both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't just do one without the other because it could be that the, because the thyroid's so low that the cortisol is low as well, but right. cortisol too high or too low will, really affect thyroid function, especially within the cell, like cortisol will stop it from going into the cell working properly. It'll also block a lot of the other hormones, which then can affect thyroid. So doing an adrenal test, I think is definitely a a very important thing to have done if you have hypothyroidism. So, you know, How to how to treat it and how to and high cortisol, low cortisol, two very different treatments. And yes. so you don't. That's not something you want to guess at. You don't want to just start taking random adrenal supplements <laughs> because it could lower it. it when it's already low. And they yeah. do. They mimic a lot of those symptoms. Mimic each other. So really, yeah. really, I think it's so important to to look at cortisol function. Don't and don't guess at that one ever. And that's an easy, cheap test. You it know, t-
0: talking about test, test, test. A four-point salivary cortisol from ZRT. I don't know if you sell it on, on your yeah. site. Okay, perfect. It, it's it's not expensive. And that is the best way. Cortisol is the one that I will say, don't bother with blood. No. If your doctor throws it in and you want to look at them, I, yeah, just don't even, don't even bother. Just whatever. Don't even bother. Yeah, no. do the four-point because we want to see the pattern. And you're right. Don't just take ashwagandha because you read it in a forum or on Facebook. that yeah. you be taking... Or an adrenal glandular or something like that. Like you don't know know your numbers first before you start randomly treating.
1: Yes. So we're running out of time here, folks. But just a couple just quick things that can also relate to the thyroid and hypothyroidism. Um, A big one is gut health. Uh, we talked a little bit about that with, with other stuff like the, you, your conversion of T4 to T3 happens in the gut. So if you've got yeah. the parasites, you've got heavy metals, candida, H. pylori, leaky, just simply leaky gut. And we know that all autoimmune patients have leaky gut. So if you've got Hashimoto's, you're going to have to treat the gut health in order to treat the thyroid as well mm-hmm. to have that conversion. Um yep.
0: What else, same? Well, stomp on the gut because I know you did now. I'm gonna blank on this. I know you talked to somebody, I think we both like GI Map, right? But but your GI Map showed things (laughs) that that another test didn't show. Like, yeah, Yeah. I like GI Map too. I I really like that. Ted that is one test that I would say definitely invest in. Um, if again, as we're peeling the onion, if we feel like we really need to see what's going on in your gut because you're not responding to thyroid treatment. You're not responding to hormone treatment. You're not responding to everything that we're doing and it doesn't make sense.
1: And you're bloated and you've got constipation and you can't yeah. eat anything without your stomach looking like you're three months pregnant. Yeah. Well, that would be the test to start with before you go to any of the other ones would yeah. be, okay, let's figure out what really is going on. And it, I think it, it runs about 500, is that right? I think I paid 500 here in Canada. So it'll probably zonulin. be cheaper there. It depends whether you add in that
0: leaky gut marker of zonulin because that pushes it up. You know, it's kind of one of those, like, it's cool to see, but chances are you have leaky gut. So, you know, we could add it on, we cannot not add it on right. either way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And do you sell that?
0: Yes, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know how the GI map does, you have to pretty much be a patient and then mm-hmm. at least here, I don't know yeah. if, if and they order it from your no okay, right. No, right. You
1: yeah you have to be a patient for some for a doctor of some sort, yeah. a licensed but practitioner. You can
0: order a GM app, yeah. Yeah, I can order it for pay, but you have to be a patient.
1: Yes. There yeah. is one um uh, planetnaturopath.com. He sells it and he'll ship it anywhere. And you don't have to be his patient.
0: Okay. Yeah, you That's just need the to go over. It. Because there's no way
1: you can decipher. Oh, no. So confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think his is 500, but that includes the appointment with him going over. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's going to tell you all your parasites. If you have how leaky your gut is, Um, you know, it's going to say how well you're breaking down um, estrogen. So it's going to test something called beta glucuronidase. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty great one. It, and it will test for the DNA of parasites, which I yeah. think is, I think it's the only one that does that. So it's very, very comprehensive. So definitely worth it. But yeah. So nutrient deficiencies is another one like zinc, selenium, tyrosine. They, those are all very important factors in thyroid iodine, very yeah. important factors. I uh, and I know you've talked on, I've just listened to your, one of your videos on fluoride and bromide. I I was mad at you, Amy. I listened to the one on brome. I was listening to talk about bromide and I'm like, damn it. I just had a hot tub, (laughs) which is full of bromide. And I'm like, shoot. So now I've got to start taking iodine because that will help counteract my bromide.
0: Right. Exactly. So I get messages too from people like, does that mean I can't use my hot tub? Does that mean I can't go in the pool? It's like,
1: no, we want you to
0: enjoy life. Right. But that might be where we use iodine because Iodine, bromide, chlorine, and fluoride are all very close on the periodic table. And iodine will actually bind to those elements, those whatever you want to term them as, uh, will bind to them and excrete them out of the body, specifically bromide. I mean, we are very uh, bromide toxic, whether you know it or not. Because of it's in every everything, even if you don't drink mountain dew, which contains bromide, and even if you don't oh, wow. sit in a hot tub which you're soaking in bromide, any kind of fire return in anything, fabrics, carpets, um, in your furniture, in, in our clothes, like you you're exposed to bromide all the time. Wow, Is there a test for it? That is a good question. I want to say that there is, but I'm still, like I said, your interview with Brownstein, yeah. triggered me to look deeper into iodine because I always thought like iodine is the Goldilocks mineral as well. But then I'm like, you know, maybe some people would benefit from higher dose of iodine. Maybe some people who are toxic, we need to bind to that and excrete it out. So I'm still looking into deeper into that iodine treatment protocol and I'm sure in there I'll find a test for bromide. I'm sure there is.
1: I'm sure there's there got to be. Yeah. And for fluoride too, because fluoride, yeah. you hear of people, and I talked about this in that interview with Brownstein, where people have taken high amounts of iodine and it pushes the fluoride out of their breast tissue, yeah. which I yeah. just think is like horrific. And he's got, and a, he was like, yeah. He I've talks about it. the story. Yeah. Where he talked about Not the a lady big deal <laughs> that had the shirt that was all yellow from, and they tested it and it was fluoride or bromide. One of the two, I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. just very toxic for our thyroid. And you think fluoride is being put into the water, into the municipality water systems. Mm-hmm. It's being put into all of the toothpaste. You go mm-hmm. to your dentist. I've, I've refused fluoride treatment from my dentist for 10 years now, because yes. they're always like, okay, we're going to do our fluoride treatment. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you don't even come and hear me with that. Thank you. Right. And you're not touching my children with it either but, um, yeah. So be very careful because fluoride like bromide is also everywhere.
0: Everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That could be a separate podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That could be separate. And then liver, I mean, you touched on that already about, you know, all hormones need to be metabolized through the liver. So if your liver is burdened, I recommend doing and not, a, again, we're not talking about detoxes, quote unquote, or cleanses, or I like to call them poopers. They're just poopers. They make you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, a true liver support, a true liver, like improving the function of your liver to remove toxins and to, to process your hormones once a quarter. Yeah. that's you know, what I'm Once too. a quarter,
1: just do it. I mean, yeah. And you saw the designs for health one, too, right? The detoxification kits are fabulous. The phase one phase, they they both address phase one, phase two. It's not poopers. It's not going to have a whole bunch of laxatives in it. Right. And what it does is just support and increase both phases of detoxification, which is what you need. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Amy, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up. Although there's many more things, everybody, but those are definitely the main culprits of root yep. causes of hypothyroidism. Yeah. Right, Amy? <laughs>
0: definitely. No, we covered a lot. We covered yeah. a lot. People's brains are gonna be yeah. full yes. and exploding yes. right
1: now. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll Amy and I both will put in the show notes the list. Like just yeah. we won't get into detail on that list, but we'll just say, like, here's the list of what you're gonna go through um to start knocking these things off until you find the culprit as far as and you might have a combination of things right because like you said the heavy metals it's also it's going to bind to the iodine but it's also going to affect all of your hormones as well and then those hormones are going to affect your thyroid and they're very in, all these things very interconnected so
0: yep absolutely we're going to yeah. address them all at some point i think we'll put a ton of info in the show notes
1: yeah yeah, yeah. great well, thanks, Amy, for doing the co hosting this know, episode okay. with you me. Can. It's been great. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we'll you'll, have to you'll do pair
0: up in the future, no doubt. So. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: All right, everyone, have a great day.